I'm Reverend Harry Bridge. And I'm Dr. Scott Mitchell, and this is the Dharma Realm Podcast. And we're coming to you from the Kodo of the Jodo Shinshu Center in Berkeley, California. Dharmaram podcast for January 20th, 2012, and today we are talking about the suspension of disbelief. Okay, so uh, uh, first of all, just to apologize, because our, our last episode was totally about this, this weird movie, Tron, that you know most people don't take seriously, except for you and me and that Tron guy on the internet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, we, but I think that we, we were using that as a sort of uh, uh, backstory or a sort of jumping off point for larger issues about uh, Buddhism and film and art and our perceptions of the world and, and, and our preconceptions about the world. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's what that's to me, that's one of the most powerful things about any sort of creative medium like film is that you can use it as this way to start talking about deeper issues, even from something silly from like something like Tron or right. even sillier movies like black hole, whatever, <laughs> which Harry likes, apparently. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, we, we want to talk about today mostly is uh, something that you kind of have to do when you're, when you're watching a movie is you have to have the suspension of disbelief, right? Is that mm. when you're this, this idea that when you're watching a movie, you have to uh, believe what's happening in the movie and forget while you're watching it that this is a movie or you have to forget that. Um, some things in movies couldn't actually happen; that they're just not possible, right? Like particularly, right, 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 right. particularly in sci-fi or fantasy, you just have to like say, okay, what's happening right now is not possible in the sort of you know realm of reality. Um, and as I'm watching it, I just have to suspend that disbelief just so that I can enjoy the movie. Right, right, and um, it's it's interesting because every person's different. Right. So I remember watching. Um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Right, right, right. And uh, that's a lot of wire kind of kung fu stuff where people are like flying through the air, um, a kind of a style of, of Hong Kong film that developed. Uh, and I remember going with a friend, uh, two friends, and um, one of them, she kept saying through the whole movie, she was like, that's not possible. You can't do that. Like she just kept saying it. I was like, shut up. You know, finally. Um, but just she couldn't accept it in a yeah, way. Like yeah, she didn't yeah. watch that kind of movie. So for me, who watched a lot of Hong Kong movies at that time here at the UC Theater, um, right here in Berkeley, right. I would you, go you there. Get, you, get the, you get the motif, or you get the sort of... Yes, yeah, I'm totally into yeah. it. I just accept it. I have no problem with it. I don't think like, oh, they couldn't do that. I'm like, wow, cool. Yeah. Right. So for whatever reason, I've just accepted it off the bat, so it doesn't bother me. And then it's interesting to be with someone that doesn't accept it, right. has difficulty accepting it, uh, and it kind of ruins the movie for them maybe even yeah. you know unless they're able but I think ultimately they have to suspend disbelief and just be like okay I'm, I don't know what they do close their eyes during those scenes or what <laughs> um, for the bigger story yeah. uh, but well I think you have I mean I love Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon and, and I understand the sort of larger genre of Hong Kong action movies uh, but I, I haven't watched as many I, I'm guessing as you have <laughs> I used to go every week <laughs> They had the I have not watched as many. Yeah, they would have like two, um, like but, every but, Thursday. But I think I was able to just sort of appreciate that movie. Uh, it just, it's a beautiful piece of film. Like the way that the cinematographer, uh, the cinematography sets up the movie is just, you know, gorgeous. And be like, oh, okay, here's some fantastic things happening. Um, and I think at some point you kind of have to just give yourself up. 
Um, at the end of our last episode, I jokingly said you have to remove yourself from the equation, which is a quote from Tron. Um, <laughs> but, Geek. Um, <laughs> but, but what you had said about that in our last episode was that um, oftentimes in music, you were talking about people letting go of their ego and not letting their ego get in the way of being able to produce this or create this amazing beautiful stuff mm-hmm. and I think sometimes as a viewer or as a consumer of, of art or literature or film you kind of have to do the same thing you kind of have to like let go of your own sort of ego or criticisms or judgments and just sort of give yourself up to what the movie is trying to do um, mm-hmm. and to, to really just sort of just be in that moment and that's when we sort of step into our critical mind that things start to fall apart because you're like, what? People are flying around? What? You went into a computer? Come on. (laughs) That's not possible. One of the critiques I saw when I was looking at reviews of Tron was, um, yeah, sure, I'm sure this computer company is only going to have one security guy and all you got to do is shine a light into the camera to to defeat their security system. Oh, note to self, when I infiltrate Microsoft, bring a pen light. (laughs) And he's just like going off on like all the criticisms of this one scene in the film. He hates the movie because there's too many of those things. Uh I liked the movie going into it and I didn't allow any of those to bother me. And so I was able to get through the movie and enjoy it. Right. right. Now, but I think this also has to do with your preconceptions because you wanted to like the movie. Right. Because right, right. you liked the first movie. <laughs> and I think that's different from the story you told me about um, your lovely wife. I mean, it's going to bring uh, her into the podcast because <laughs> I think this is relevant. Right, 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 right. No, um, yeah, before we got married, I was, um, I remember I tried to show my now wife uh, the original Tron. And I actually had it on Betamax that I'd recorded. Like I had all these, I was at home in Massachusetts, and so yeah. we had all these old tapes. And it was actually from Japan, so it had subtitles. And I thought this will be great because she's Japanese, and so, you know, she can watch the movie. And we didn't get more than five minutes in, and she just kept saying, what is this? This is terrible. What? That doesn't make sense. You can't, like, she just couldn't, was just like. Right, from the get-go. Like, yeah, from the very beginning. Right. Um, hated it. Just couldn't deal with it. I was like, okay, this was a mistake. Okay, we don't have to watch this. Right. And you, you got know? married anyway, so it worked out. Yeah. It was inter- <laughs> but it was really interesting to see right. just what, that sh- in her, this negative response was triggered from the get-go. Right. right. And we didn't even get to the computer scenes, I don't think. It was like, there's, there's a little I, bit. I thought the opening scene in the first A little scene. bit, anyway. yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it was like, you know, they're in that factory thing or, you know, the, the computer thing with all the yeah, tubes yeah. and everything, like the regular building didn't matter she just didn't want to watch it she didn't like it right so to me that's like a sort of preconception that you have like you you walk into this experience you know and I do the same thing like there's certain just genres of film and I'm like oh I'm I'm not going to enjoy that there's no way I'm going to like this Mm -hmm. you know Uh, but see I don't think she it was a preconception I think she was in the moment and just didn't like it in the moment it didn't matter what she thought of the movie she I didn't tell her what kind of film it was Mm -hmm. and she liked science fiction actually so it was really interesting it's like with her I don't think it was a preconceived notion I think it was instantaneous negativity this totally invalidates my entire (laughs) argument thanks Aaron no 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 keep going keep going No, I'm done. <laughs> this is our last episode. <laughs> Dharma Realm's finished. They're splitting up. The breakup. No, I mean, look at the band back together. <laughs> 
uh, I, I just I think that there's this 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 uh, thing that we do sometimes where we we have a preconception yes. about a certain thing. Like Absolutely. we hear that there's this thing coming out, we're like, oh, we really 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 want to like it, and so we go into it very open. Or then we, you know, or there's, you know, like for me, there's certain genres of film, and I'm like, why would I, why would I want to go see that? That just looks like lame and dumb, and you know, if I sit down to watch it, I'm just sitting there critiquing it and being mm-hmm. critical of it and being, you know, obstinate and don't want to like it and sort of resist it, and that gets in the way of just being able to, you know, enjoy the movie as it is or right, right, right. be in the moment of watching a, or consuming a certain uh, genre of art or whatever. All I was trying to say, man, you totally <laughs> shot me down. Well, no, but there's two. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Um, maybe we can bring in this kind of Abhidharma um, idea now. So Ooh, we'll go okay, Buddhist. Right, yeah, right. we'll go hardcore Buddhist. You're going to go Buddhist on me, huh? Yeah. Nice. Um, I was re- I'm going to go Gunther on you. <laughs> hardcore Buddhist. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> um, Herbert Gunther, we've talked about him before. Uh, he was this, like, um, I think... I don't know if he was from Germany, but he's got like German background, he's, but all his he, books are in English. Yeah, and Canadian. Um, you know, I, I learned uh, that uh, the late Leslie Kawamura, mm-hmm. a student of Gunther's. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Gunther's books are very difficult to read. Mm-hmm. Um, he uses a lot of crazy <laughs> terminology, and you're like, what does that mean? And he's just, you've taken a word from like philosophy and used it as a key, key word for like a Buddhist term, but he right. doesn't necessarily tell you that. So it can be really hard to get through. But if you can get past that, you can get these really interesting. And we've talked about this book before, and I've tweeted about it. Um, but I've been reading, and like he's talking about like the eight levels of consciousness that Abhidharma and Yogacara talk about, mm-hmm. and how in each moment of perception, I mean, there's levels of perception too, but basically I'm faced with something. I see a pen. I'm either going to have a positive reaction mm-hmm. or a negative reaction or a neutral reaction. Yeah. Right? Um, and saying that like every instant, every sub-instant, we're doing that. We're constantly making these kind of value judgments. Positive, I like it. Negative, don't like that. Or neutral, just kind of ignore it or just mm-hmm. acknowledge it and it's gone. Yeah, Indifferent. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so really kind of an interest, very psychological. Um, and saying that, you know, in Buddhism, in this branch of Buddhism, Abhidharma, this kind of psychological, analytical kind of Buddhism, uh, recognizing or saying that that's what we do all the time. Mm-hmm. And it, it feeds into uh, what you're saying. And, you know, I think a lot of times our previous preconceptions, right, affect the right. current one, right? So right, that right, right. I'm already negative about it. And so when I see it, it doesn't matter. It, I'm having a negative reaction to it because I'm already kind of biased against it, right? Or uh, I go into it thinking I want to like this movie and that will affect my perception of it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but it happens in the instant too. And so I think this case is different. Ooh, I said her name. I'll bleep it out. Um, <laughs> she doesn't want her name broadcast all over the interwebs. Um, that uh, my wife, uh, when she watched this, she, I don't think she had any preconceptions. I think she just didn't like it in the moment. <laughs> it was just, you know, faced with it, negative reaction for whatever reason. Right. Yeah, right. Which well, is interesting. Yeah. It, but wouldn't it stand to reason then that, that, that given sort of karmic causes and conditions that our reactions to things in the present moment is at least somewhat related to oh, previous yeah. moments, Absolutely. right? So, Absolutely. 
there must have been some trigger in the present moment of I don't know what it was. Yeah, it's interesting. Just in, in a general, not just you know, not just your wife, but in general, in, you know, when we have a sort of negative reaction to something, it would stand to reason that there's some trigger about that mm-hmm, current mm-hmm. moment, triggered by some past moment or some relationship there that right, 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 needs right. to be deconstructed or acknowledged or yeah, thought about yeah, yeah, or yeah. critiqued or the the whole morass messiness of Buddhist practice. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think a big where this helps like, can be helpful is just to recognize it. Like it's an interesting analytical tool mm-hmm. to um, have in our toolbox, so that when we're just doing whatever, and I think it happens a lot with people, mm-hmm. right? When we encounter a person, uh, we react. We have a reaction, whether we show it or not. Uh, very often, we think, "Oh, I don't like this person." Yeah. Right or this person's really cool. I want to hang out with them. I think right? mostly it's, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> for you. <laughs> for me, I feel like as a minister, uh-huh. I can't give in to that impulse. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and my my personal experience often is I do have that feeling. I encounter someone, I'm like, I don't know, there's something kind of off about this person. Um, but I feel like as a minister, um, I have to back off from that. Mm-hmm. I can't buy into that. Well, it seems like you, you couldn't buy into the positive one either, right? I mean... You wouldn't, right, 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 you wouldn't right, right. want to be, you know, too attracted or attached to certain people because you have some, you know. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's in, in Buddhism, uh, I, I feel like as a minister, I mean, this is part of the job. It's kind of cool. It's like built into the job, right? Um, that uh, trying to be aware of these things, uh-huh. trying to be aware of my perceptions, my uh you know, like or dislike, and and to try and not give in to them completely. I mean, the other part of it is you can't help it. Yeah. But don't buy into it and just accept it as given, right? That, oh, yeah, this person's obviously a jerk, and so I'm not going to give them the time of day. I can't do that. Yeah. i got to give them a chance. Um, right. So getting back to, like, you know, Abhidharma and, and Gundar and whatnot, I have a, I have a question, mm-hmm. sort of a hypothetical, theoretical, philosophical question. Um, it, it seems to me that... Part of the problem is that it's uh, that nothing is really positive or negative anyway. That to assume that something is completely good and this other thing is completely bad is, is kind of part of the part of the issue, isn't it? I mean, my my real experience of the world is that most things are some combination of both good and bad. Mm-hmm. That you know nothing is is without flaw, and even the things that we love the most, you can find some messiness in there. <laughs> I would go even further and mm-hmm. say, um, I think from a Yogacara point of view, that there's no value embedded in it whatsoever. Right. That it's purely, I, th- part of, I think that's partly where the idea of mind only or consciousness only comes mm-hmm. in, is that value judgments or um, opinions about anything are me. It almost has nothing to do with the object itself. Right. The object itself is completely, and, that, and I'm thinking about this because you have that third category of neutral, and I, mm-hmm. in our earlier little back and forth, I mentioned indifference as another way to talk about that, mm-hmm. but I think that indifference is itself a kind of value judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm, I'm, it's interesting to see that, that there's that neutrality toward certain things, because it seems like that's actually somewhat more honest. Like, it almost seems like there should be a sort of neutrality to things, because that's different from being indifferent, I think. Mm-hmm. Indifference to me right. implies... Right. That I've Indifference is almost on the negative side. Yeah, it's, it yeah. implies that I've chosen not to care. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Um, but to say that you had a, a neutral reaction means you have no reaction to it. And maybe that's almost closer to the real thing because the thing out there has no value to it, as mm-hmm. you were saying, except mm-hmm. for what's in my own head. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah, no, it's interesting. <laughs> so I, I talked about this in, in one of my um, weeknight uh, services. And I just, you know, not that I just discovered it. I've, you know, seen it before, but, like, I was really into it, the idea. And so I was kind of saying, like, yeah, you know what? This is what Buddhism says in a way that, yeah, all our perception is like this. Mm-hmm. It's either positive or negative. or ne- I mean, another way to put that would be attachment, mm-hmm. uh, anger or aversion, mm-hmm. right? And then the neutral is just kind of neutral. It's not one or the other. Right. Um, but then so I kind of— So it's more, like, it's more like our reaction to things. Right, right. It's They're our perception and reaction. Because uh, when I think of perception or these value judgments, I think of a sort of um, uh, a purely sort of cognitive or or a lot of this is precognitive. Right. right. That, that's what I mean. Like in, with the English terms, when we're translating this, you know, whenever mm-hmm. you translate <laughs> the original <laughs> text, you have this problem of translating it and interpreting it. Or subconscious might right. be better. Right. So, because in my mind, when we talk about this, these reactions, I think of them as being purely mental, mm-hmm. um, on a sort of conscious level or subconscious level. But it seems like it's really more. It's, it's more than that. It's also the reaction. Because to say that you have an attachment to something or an aversion to something, I think, can also mean you know, if I have an attachment to something, I want to spend more time with them. Mm-hmm. Right. If I am attached to somebody, I really want to hang out with them all the time, and that's a sort of active sort of. Uh, action kind of base thing, mm-hmm. and aversion is like, oh, I don't, I don't like that person, so I'm going to, you know, not pick up the phone when they call, or mm-hmm. you know, do whatever I can to not be around them, which is, which goes beyond just the mere sort of judgment of the world, but it also has that sort of active component to it that I think is important, and we should, you know, sort of mm-hmm. just be aware of how the precognitive conscious reactions we have affect our behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 and. Um yeah, I mean, this whole thing about consciousness, I mean, there's all these different levels, and some of them are unconscious, some of them yeah. are conscious. Right. Right, and then, but then also... And that, and that helps me think about the way, the, the neutrality thing, too, because then if it's part of your reaction, well, it's like, on some level right now, sitting in this room, I'm aware of, of this, you know, this chair next to me, mm-hmm. but I'm not reacting to it. It's just right, a chair, right, right, right? right? Like, on some cognitive level, it's there's there's an awareness of the room around me, but... Most of my reaction to the room around me is rather, you know, I'm not reacting to it at all. It's totally neutral because the room's not doing anything to me. (laughs) But, you know, if suddenly the the AC kicked on and got really cold, then I'd have a reaction to it even on a sort of subconscious level, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. one way to think about it. Ooh, Mm -hmm. I'm getting deep. Yeah. (laughs) See, another interesting thing, too, the whole thing of, like, um, you encounter a person and you like them. Right, your atta- the attachment thing, but that could also lead to suffering. It doesn't necessarily right. have to do with your own reactions. The suffering results because you can't be with them. Right. Right. Or someone you don't like, but you work with them, and so you have to be with them. That's one of the eight sufferings too. Yeah. Having yeah. to be with people that we don't like, right. that we despise. Right. Right. And so, so it's interesting. I mean, this is very abhidharmic. This kind of analytical kind of yeah, thing yeah, of yeah, chopping yeah. things up and like trying to see what's going on. Um, I think sometimes they kind of went. Not that they went too far. They went too far and didn't go far enough. Like they came up with these lists of like 128 dharmas or something. Or oh, yeah, but I don't think yeah, 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 163 yeah. or whatever. It depends on the school, right? But did they really think that they'd got it all? <laughs> did they really <laughs> think that they'd managed to successfully analyze reality into these 126? I would think that there's going to be a lot more than that. Sure. That, you know, but um, but the attempt is interesting. I mean, it's yeah, interesting yeah. for us to look at it. And it's think, also you know, like broad. You could think of it like broad categories, right? That mm-hmm, you could. Mm-hmm. It's like the the periodic table of elements, right? It's like these are the elements that make up you know the physical world, and we keep adding to it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that that that's how I kind of see it. Like okay. A sort yeah, of yeah. Useful metaphor. Yeah. So. 
What does what does all this have to do with suspending disbelief? Well, that's the question. I mean, a lot of the people see some of the people the reviews that I've read of Tron, they wanted to like it, but uh-huh. they couldn't. Right? They went into it. Oh, I remember liking the first movie, uh-huh. um, but man, you know, okay, here's the problems. Yeah. I'm going to list them out. First thing, cheesy. Second one, you know, and they just go through and they tell you why the movie sucks. Uh-huh. You know, so for whatever reason, uh, they had uh, a negative uh, reaction to it. Um, so, I mean, a lot of this stuff, I think, is unconscious mm-hmm. um, for, for people. And so it's, and it's okay. The other thing that's interesting is it changes, too. Right. Right. And so I was thinking about music and, like, um, I've got a lot of CDs. And, you know, I've owned a lot more than of CDs and LPs and tapes than what I currently have. Right. And I love going into Amoeba and looking for music. Right? And one thing I've learned over the past 10 years or so is I'm looking for those magic moments in music. I'm looking for those like superlative recordings Mm -hmm. that are just like magical. Like it's beyond just like a good album. This is like, wow, this is like an incredible moment in time that they captured. So uh, I'm thinking, for example, of this uh, uh, Miles Davis uh, Live at the Fillmore album uh, from like 1970 or 71 with stuff from Bitches Brew on it. And there's like moments in there that are, I mean, the one problem with the album is that they chopped it up a lot so it doesn't flow. Hmm. But some of those chopped up moments that are intact are like amazing, <laughs> mind-blowing, <laughs> right? Um, there's can music that's like that. There's German group can that I like. Um, so that's kind of what I realize I've been doing a lot of my life is finding these amazing albums. There's a G- George Benson, the album um, Breezen, I think, with it. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the famous song that, um, uh, you know, for a lot of people, they hate George Benson for it probably because it's kind of cheesy. It's kind of like soft jazz kind of thing. But there's some amazing solos on that album that are just like, yeah, this is what it's about. Man, he's just channeling. You listen to it and he's just the, the scales that he's running and the bass player's playing great. And they're just like, they hit a groove in the studio and captured it for us. Right. Right. So, so I realized, wow, that's kind of what I'm, that's one of my missions in life is to hunt down these moments and hopefully maybe even encounter them in person, maybe even create them myself, right? Um, Is that just positive or negative? Is that just, yeah, this is something, I like it. You know, can it be um, uh, analyzed in just a kind of positive, negative, neutral kind of um, rhetoric or rubric or whatever? Mm -hmm. Um, Or is there something else going on too? Is there something more magical? Right um, about creation, for example, right and creation of music, uh, and does Buddhism have room for that? Um, is there a room in Buddhist analysis for that kind of thing? And I wonder. Uh, in, in one sense, yeah, on one level, yeah, because I can listen to a recording that blew me away ten years ago, and now I'm kind of like, eh, I don't, I know, I remember like yeah, being yeah. totally moved by this, and now I'm not moved. Right. right? So my reaction to the music. It depends on who I am now in this moment so right. that my perception of a song... You know, it's like when you get a song that... I remember when um, Smells Like Teen Spirit came out. <laughs> I didn't listen to Nirvana for years. I just uh-huh. wasn't on that wavelength. But I remember going to um, one of my um, fellow students' house. We had to work on a project. And like one of her roommates had his door closed. And that song just kept playing over and over and over and over again. I think it had song? just come out like uh-huh. within a few weeks or months or whatever. And like obviously they were totally into that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can understand that because I do that sometimes. I can I find a song that I like. You listen to it over and over it's again. It's rare, right? Yeah, you can yeah. just put it on repeat and listen again and again and again and again. 
And then like a few weeks later or a year later, you listen, you're like, what did I like about this song so much? You almost like played it too much. Yeah. That can happen too, right? Listen to a song too much and kind of ruin it almost. Um, yeah, I was going to say there's something about our, our, our relationship to these moments of, of judging things as good or bad or positive or neutral or whatnot changes over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it can change in weird ways too. I think there's lots of things that I really, I really like for nostalgic reasons. Mm-hmm. Right, because I listen to a song or I see a movie, and it reminds me of a, a particular point in my life, mm-hmm. you know. And so, part of my reaction to it is this like memory mm-hmm. of that original moment. But then other times, yeah, you're right. There's there's music that I listened to when I was younger that I hear now, and I'm like, ugh, why did I like this song? Oh yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> this is so bad. <laughs> but I also do the yep. reverse. I remember when, teen, when uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit first came out, and I thought, Nirvana, it's totally lame. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a few years later, I listened to Nirvana in a different mindset, and I was like, oh, there's something interesting going on here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and, you know, why is that? Why do we have this, like, aversion to things mm-hmm. or attachment to things and how that changes over time? The movie Big is one for me. Like, I remember that with Tom Hanks. Uh-huh. And um, I think I saw it once in high school, once in college, like once after college, and each time I was like at a turning point in my life. Like it, it really um, was really significant to me. Right. And I watched it again. It was on cable or something. So I watched it like a month or two ago. And I loved it. I loved it, the, the movie, but um, it didn't, it, it, it wasn't. It didn't resonate. Know, with it you. didn't resonate yeah. at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So kind of interesting how, yeah. you know, like, and sometimes you build it up too much. You're like, well, right. man, the last three times that I saw this amazing. movie, right, it, right. It, it, it like changed my life. Yeah. And but I then you watch it and you're kind of disappointed because yeah. you want it to do it again and it doesn't. Hurt. And sometimes things are obvious. Like we saw um, the movie Parenthood recently. And I remember seeing Parenthood when, it, you know, when I was in high school or whenever it came out. Um, and, you know, Parenthood's a good movie. It's a fun movie, mm-hmm. um, but te- you know, seeing it after I've actually had a child and uh, I am a parent, like mm-hmm. that, actually, it's like, oh, the different parts of this movie resonate with me in different ways, and it's obvious why. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's obvious that I'm having this reaction because I'm in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but then other times things get built up, right? Like, yeah. Um, like for example, you've never seen The Big Lebowski. Yeah, <laughs> I have to now. And well, I see, and I don't know if I could see it uh-huh. because to me, like the movie's been so built up in pop culture. Like people love The Big Lebowski; it has this huge cult following, and people think it's this most amazing movie. And I've seen it, but I saw it a long time ago. I don't remember that much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I feel like if I were to sit down and watch it, I would be bringing with me this sort of like collective expectation that okay. the world has created about The Big Lebowski, right? Which has happened to me about other movies. Like, you know, this movie will come out, everyone will go see it, everyone will say, you have to go see this movie. And then I have this expectation that I'm going to love it, and I see the movie, and I'm like, ah, I don't... Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's weird how yep. these sort of personal, but also social or cultural expectations get in the way of us being able to just sort of experience something on its own terms or mm-hmm. our, on, on our own terms of, you know, not getting the critical mind in the way. Right. It's interesting because, um, in a way, this is relates directly to Buddhism because a lot of times Buddhism talks about seeing things as they are, right. and that we usually don't, right? And the recognition that most of our perception is colored by our background, by our previous experiences, by our karma, by our you know where we are in that moment, whatever. Right? And so I, personally, I think that that's kind of what Yogacara is saying, the whole mind-only thing, is to recognize that 
you know, sometimes it seems like it goes as far as denying objective reality, that there is no objective reality out there. It's all formed by consciousness. Yeah, we don't have yeah. to really go there, but we don't have to go that far, but except that it's telling us that the way we are seeing things isn't the way things are, right? It's not things as they are. It says more about us than about the things that we're perceiving. Right. Right? And so, you know, this whole issue of interpersonal relationships, I think it's a big part of it. And that if you say, I don't like that person, they're obviously a bad person, that says way more about you than it does about the person. Yeah. Right? Um, and so, it's, again, it's like this kind of critical tool that Buddhism uh, offers us uh, to uh, help us be more aware of how we're perceiving things, of who we are, of, of how things really are, quote-unquote. Whether we can actually get there, I mean, that's questionable. I don't think we can see things as we are unless we were enlightened. Right. Uh, but maybe we can get glimpses as Buddhists, as Buddhist practitioners, that we're, we're granted uh, glimpses of things closer to the way they are, not purely from my own limited uh, ego, viewpoint, self. ego self viewpoint. Yeah. yeah.